Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And hello, CMOS Grillies. We are back after an unexpected one-week hiatus. Unfortunately, Big old spectrum. The internet provider out here in New York City did us dirty on the day that we were supposed to podcast, and there was an internet outage in almost all of Manhattan. So Kate and I could not pod, and neither of us know how to figure out hotspots and all of that. But you know what? We're back, and we have plenty of topics to talk about because plenty things have happened in the past two weeks that we've recorded. Things have happened. Also, on that note, yeah, then the air quality went to shit in New York on like the Tuesday, Wednesday. So it was a total uh, weird situation here. But I figured, you know, there's enough content on the internet that hearing our little voices, I'm sure it impacted some of you, but I don't know how many were impacted by the the missed week. But we will apologize and we will make sure that it never happens again because we are girl bosses dedicated to you, CMOS girlies. So two weeks, Emma, what have you been up to over there? To you know, um, oh, my, as as people like to say uh, my life has been a movie lately just but for really lovely reasons just a lot of unexpected things have been occurring in my life that have been making me really happy and giddy so fun for me I went to Rockaway Beach with the crew that I swim with on honestly like the shittiest day of all of yeah it was cold Um, It was cold. Definitely hypothermia was in the works there, but I did go in the ocean and it felt so freaking good. If you live in New York or even, I guess, like New Jersey, um, maybe Long Island, I recommend going to Rockaway Beach. It's like a really pleasant experience. We took the ferry, which is like really fun. And it's like such a clean beach. There's like a lot of good food vendors there. So you're not like fully stranded, like out in the desert with like nowhere to eat and like the bathrooms are clean, but it was a good bonding moment with the people. And then we finally registered for our first swim meet, which I'm especially excited about. I think that's like one of the big things that's going to be happening to me this summer. Um, And I feel like I kind of forgot that like, oh yeah, anyone can do events. Like I feel like it's always talked about like, you know, people signing up for marathons and half marathons. But for some reason, I always get like caught up in my head in terms of like doing a swim meet. I think it's just probably from PTSD of being a competitive swimmer and like all the stress that was put on me for you know state and like d1 and like regional yeah. swim, um swim events but yeah we're doing a long course event long course meet in in long island i think like the first weekend of july i have not swum long course in eight years i also have not gone off a block in over eight years so that'll be interesting for me but i'm doing the 400 freestyle because i have developed a love for distance swimming uh the 200 im and the 100 breaststroke and I like, you have to submit your times for, you know, to get seated and everything. And I was like, I don't know what my times are. So I actually looked back 
at my high school best times from short course. And then I converted them on like an online calculator to see what like my time would be long course. And then I added like a 10 additional seconds because I was like, I feel like I should be conservative here. But yeah, yeah, we have an Instagram to follow Bedford Bombers. I'm just like using it as an excuse to ship posts. So there's like memes that no one will be able to understand or relate to. But yeah, everyone prepare for my annoying swim meet journey. It's definitely becoming my main personality. But uh, what has been going on with you, Kate? You know, we got swimming CMOS girlies, so there's going to be a niche, you know, swimming slash CMOS girlies intersection of the the people who will understand it. So, yeah, it's been exciting. Your um, fairy moment. I was talking to a friend earlier today about this concept that I've seen on TikTok. And actually, like one of the things came up was like, take the fairy to Rockaway. And I was like, yeah, duh, my homie Emma did like last week. But the concept is you've probably seen it on TikTok if you're on that stupid platform. But like having a summer bucket list, like when we were in middle school, you'd be like, go skinny dipping get the you know marshmallows get the feathers in your hair oh my god yeah or like make friendship bracelets you know and i'm saying this in a way that i'm a teenage girl in my 20s right now that i'm very supportive i'm not criticizing of the girlies doing that stuff but as an adult you know it doesn't feel like it is summer it's uh june 12th right now when you're working and you don't have a definitive summer break you don't get that excited about it like the transition is very gradual into summer it's not like it is officially day one of summer, like in the Phineas and Ferb shit. So I've been edging the idea of making a summer bucket list. Um, But then I have this fear of like, well, what if I don't do stuff? So I'm going to make my summer bucket list and I think post it on Instagram this week. And it might just be random, like go get ice cream with Emma. (laughs) But I don't know. It could be fun to have goals and little cute things to do throughout the summer. Yeah, no, I love that. I feel like I want to actually live a summer this year and like actually yeah. be social and like do things and just like give myself grace if I yeah, like, had a maybe like winter. drink more than like I typically would. But yeah, summer as an adult is weird because like Kate said, it doesn't really feel like summer. And if you do get a taste of summer, it's like summer Fridays, which is right. like really sad it's and depressing. But um, yeah, what other than getting ice cream with me, what else do you think you would want to do? I don't know. Um, I mean, I kind of want to travel. I want to travel for my run club, which is something I've been thinking about. Um, I was like, wait, maybe I go to like Paris in June or something if I ha- save up money or something. And then I'm like, why would I want to go to Europe in summer? That's when everyone goes to Europe. But when I went to Copenhagen in May, that was like a vibe. So I don't really have any, but I support the going out and stuff. I've been, you know, taking the edibles, going out, not really drinking, but I've been thinking funny thoughts when I've just been giggly and high. So that'll definitely be on the bucket list for sure. Yeah, just giggly. It's the summer of giggles. Giggly girls. Giggly girls. Yeah, giggly girls for giggly reasons. (laughs) But here's a concept when I am high and I'm making memes now because that's not that's a new thing for me. I always check them the next morning when I'm like sober Kate again and I'm like what was the phrasing in this or sometimes I'll have to post a meme when I'm high and then like whatever caption I include so if there's memes that are a little bit like the wording doesn't make sense Kate was in a creative goofy mood when she created thus memes. Good to know. I don't know if you've noticed. I I haven't fully noticed. Um, Yeah I feel like sometimes you know after night out you just have to wake up the next morning and just double check that your texts you know didn't have crazy typos or you didn't like post a lot of like wild stupid shit on instagram stories even though it's like fun to just do that when you're in a different dimension um or like i took a video this weekend and then i was like wait don't 
that I don't remember that like I was it was a club I'm like wait they, I don't remember them playing that song at all <laughs> like whatever the video was I was like when yeah. did that happen so I mean goofy, thank god girls. for social media that we're able to look back at how we were the night before because I mean back in the day it's like whatever you did is what you did and like you, you have, have no, no way Sundays, to yeah. yeah you have no way to um check that you have the ultimate um, Sunday scaries so that's yeah spooky. anyway this Anyways. episode do you have any more <laughs> topics? Otherwise, I was going to get into the 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 meat of this episode. No, I was going to rant about air quality, but I'm not. It's a little bit more removed. I did my rants on TikTok and Instagram. I'm very in my... I mean, I, this could be a whole separate thing, but politics thing, because people are like, why don't you post about politics? And that's like a 10-minute answer there, so I'm not going to get into it. But if you're curious, like I've been thinking about air quality and shit and like how related some stuff is to wellness and public health and i think there's a lot of podcast episode opportunities there so i won't rant now but maybe we'll make more content about that for the cmos girlies shit soon yes air quality episode coming soon climate catastrophe yeah not apostrophe catastrophe is the word we're looking for kate yeah but Uh, anyways today's about dairy mm -hmm. um because a lot of the girlies are kind of probably in there i'm gonna start eating dairy now after being vegan um let me know if that's you because i feel like that's a lot of us yeah there's a lot that we're gonna touch on we're gonna talk about raw dairy a lot of the different you know health related aspects of dairy what to look for in dairy products just everything just a big old general dairy episode dairy. i'm sure we've talked we've talked a few a little bit about certain topics in today's episode and previous episodes so you know there might be overlap but Every podcast has some overlap here and there. Yeah. And, you know, it's always an interesting subject. Uh, I feel like cottage cheese has gone up in 300% public interest since the last time we talked about dairy. So I think a lot of more people are curious about the dairy shit than a few months ago, even. So yeah. it's always relevant. It's always relevant. Yeah. So we should get into this episode because it's going to be a long one. It'll be a long educational one. So sit down, buckle up, and I'll call you back. Let's get into the thing. Great. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics. And let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, let's chat about dairy. Um, Once again, don't know where you are on your dairy journey. Emma and I have both touched foot into the dairy pool after being vegan for four years. So we're consuming dairy. And so that's why it makes sense for us to record this. So a history of why raw dairy is not legal sell will be our start because I don't know if you live in New York City and I don't know really about other living contexts, but a lot of people talk about raw dairy. It's like a downtown New York thing to like talk about where you're going to get your raw dairy from. So when it comes to the U.S., obviously there are federal and then state laws. And so according to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, in some states it's legal to buy or sell raw milk, but it's not a federal rule. So there's no ban on actually consuming raw milk. Like you're not going to go to jail if you are found consuming raw milk or raw milk products, but it's all the reason that it's this way is because of interstate commerce. So like if you live in a state where it's not legal and then you bring some from a different state, like that's where you could get in trouble. And so the reason that like it's not legal, what the government says is because there's this chance for serious illness because federal law prohibits dairies from distributing in their you know, distributing it across the state lines, like I said. And the reason for this is because raw milk is particularly fertile for germs. And that's because raw milk is not pasteurized. So pasteurization is the process when milk is heated to 161 degrees um, for 15 seconds to kill harmful bacteria like salmonella. So that is why like government is like, yeah, we're not going to fucking sell raw milk because a lot of people can get disease from consuming it. And milk contaminated with like the, these bacteria doesn't look, smell or taste different than milk that's safe to eat. So that's why it can lead to severe illness because a lot of people like mistakenly like drink raw milk and they think it's fine. And then actually it has like E. coli and salmonella. And so raw milk can be distributed across state lines only if it's going to undergo additional processing, which would be pasteurization, or if it's like in very specific types of cheese before being sold to consumers. So each state, once again, overall makes its own laws about this, and that's why you can't really uh, transport raw dairy between states. There's about 30 states where raw milk is legal, but there's like variety of restrictions on how it can be sold. And so the reason why people say like, I want to drink raw milk, there's a few things, but the main like health-oriented one is that people say they buy raw milk because it doesn't contain the growth hormone RGBH and they like the taste more than it. And they say that some, you know, some people, the more hippie holistic people say like, I enjoy having a connection to the food I eat and the farmers and all of that. And so when it comes to the data on raw milk, the CDC notes that foodborne illness from raw milk affects children and teenagers more than any population because, you know, their immune systems aren't developed yet. And then pregnant women and anyone with a compromised immune system also like maybe at a greater risk of getting some sort of like E. coli thing from consuming raw milk. And once again, raw milk hasn't been pasteurized or hom- homogenized. I think that's how you say the verb. Um, and it heats the milk and kills that bacteria that is so risky. So, yeah, you know, the FDA says that pasteurization doesn't reduce the health benefits. So when people are saying, like, raw milk is healthier than pasteurized milk, that's not true. There's no different bacteria in raw milk that's going to, like, make your gut health better. Um, the bacteria found in raw milk is not like you're getting probiotics. I feel like that's total misinformation I see on the internet of, like, my raw milk has just all these bacterias. And it's like, no, babe, it has, it could have E. coli. It has the bad bacteria. It doesn't have, like, gut shit in it. 
it. So, yeah, I mean, it's like the raw milk people say, like, for the raw milk people, that's a meme in itself. Um, it's a complete natural food, contains more amino acids, antimicrobials, vitamins, minerals, etc. Um, they claim it's better for people with lactose intolerance and autoimmune conditions. And they say that raw milk has more protein than um, other milks. And, you know, it, it's funny because then the study comes out and they say, yeah, there's no differences in, like, the digestive systems of people that consume raw milk or pasteurized milk. So, in reality, pasteurizing milk doesn't, you know, result in a significant loss of vitamins and carbs and minerals and fats. Like it's not some huge difference between pasteurized milk versus raw milk. They've said that they found no difference in the fatty acid profiles of milk, though pasteurization actually might increase how digestibility works. So like since it has been killed of these bad bacteria, it actually might have more uh, production of like good fatty acids that make it easier for your body to digest the pasteurized milk. So it's kind of this weird misinformation thing about the raw milk. Um, and so raw milk might be, quote, more natural because it's gone through less processing. It might contain more ac- antimicrobials, but a lot of the health claims aren't that evidence-based and it doesn't outweigh the potential risks of salmonella and, and E. coli from it. Um, because once again, raw milk doesn't have that like curdled look. It doesn't appear spoiled when it has E. coli and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, the rise of raw milk comes from a few things. It's this kind of lack of trust in government. It's when people are like, everything at the grocery store is going to kill you and you can't trust big pharma putting shit in our food these days. You have to take it to your own hands. Like that's kind of the argument that you see people make. Um, You know, there is the other argument that's like a little better of an argument in my opinion of like, I want to support local farmers. I want to know where my food is coming from. But since there's no regulation on raw milk and the government doesn't recognize it as like a thing, that means that farmers can't get government grants and stuff to produce raw milk. So a lot of farmers that make raw milk, they can't rely on that as their only source of income because they have to pay for the cattle. They have to pay for the vet bills to upkeep the animals and like animal feed and maintenance. So likely the people that are making raw milk also have to do a shit ton of other crops and animal products in order to like actually not go out of business. So there isn't like this huge kind of market for raw milk yet because the government doesn't treat it as an industry. So yeah, who knows if you have raw milk, cool i guess but it's probably going to be hard for people to like find it yeah Yeah. i mean i'm curious how it tastes like if i had access to it i would maybe try it and i get so many tiktoks of random people being like this is why i drink raw milk like you said it's like not that surprising because i think there's like such a rise in like people not wanting to eat anything that's processed and wanting to like reconnect with like the earth and the land and just like only eating like meats and vegetables and raw dairy so it totally makes sense that it's like having a moment yeah um but definitely don't go out of your way like i was like curious about like oh if i were to get raw milk how would i get it in new york and it's like these are like the three farms that carry up, but you have to like go to their farm to buy them. Like that seems insane. Yeah, with cash and with your birth. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, me like... taking me going to Grand Central Station to get on the Metro North, if that's even what the train yeah, is to, to go milk. upstate. Um, to buy yeah. milk. Yeah, like no, not not there yet, sweetie. Um, but anyway, I feel like similar to raw milk. I feel like A2 dairy gets talked a lot about. And this is kind of like a section where we'll talk about the differences of like different types of dairy milks and like maybe how to navigate purchasing a milk if you are someone who hasn't had milk for a while and you're like nervous about it fucking up your stomach or if you are someone who is just naturally sensitive to dairy but potentially haven't fully gone diagnosed as like lactose intolerant so what exactly is a2 dairy i'm sure you've seen it on plenty of packages when you're in the dairy section so casein to start things off is what makes up most of the protein that is found in dairy milk and makes up about like 80 percent of the protein in the milk and there's 13 different forms of casein but a1 and a2 will be the most common here and regular milk 
really will contain both A1 and A2 dairy, but A2 dairy comes from dairy cows that are specifically bred to not produce A1 beta casein protein. And this is really because like the producers of A2 dairy claim that A1 protein causes stomach discomfort, bloating, and that like A2 is just easier for people to digest, especially those who may be intolerant to consuming dairy. Um, I have A2 kefir dairy in my fridge right now. And I've had like also regular kefir that probably has both A1 and A2. And I can't say I've like have experienced a crazy difference between the two. But um, I think the most interesting thing is that like, okay, the reason a lot of people can't digest dairy is because of like the lactose, which is like the naturally occurring sugar that's found in dairy. And with A1 and A2, they both have the same levels of lactose, but it's thought and like research has kind of shown that like the A1 protein produces beta case morphine seven or BCM seven during digestion. And so this is what's believed to trigger digestive discomfort for some individuals and kind of looking at like a few studies, there's been a few done on animals that have shown that like this um, can alter the gastrointestinal function and inflammation in the gut. If they, if you know, when an an animal is given a dairy that has the A1 or just, given the beta case of morphine seven. Um, but the overall health effects on humans aren't especially clear. There's like so much testing that would still have to be done. And additionally, like a lot of these claims have been pushed by um, A2 because following the patent of A2 dairy by the A2 milk company and a lot of the studies that promote the benefits of A2 dairy versus A1 are often funded by A2. So that's definitely something just to keep in mind. I found a few of those when I was on that weird pub.gov um, database. But A2 dairy is not the same as like lactose-free dairy because A2, again, will still contain the whey and lactose versus lactose-free dairy, which is fully removed of, of the lactose. Um, and there's been a few studies that I've conducted the difference between the two. So like there was one study with like 41 people and only 10 of the participants reported an intolerance to commercial cow's milk. And they compared the differences after drinking milk that only contained the A1 protein versus milk containing only the A2 protein. And they found drinking the milk containing A1 protein only um, participants reported like softer stools than when drinking the A2 milk. So there could have been like a potential increase in gut lining from that because that is one way that your body does react um, when consuming dairy. You could have soft stools. But again, like I said, like so much research is still needed. So if you can tolerate regular milk, there's really no evidence to show that you will be healthier switching to A1 dairy. But it's totally something to play around with if you are nervous or if you're someone who's like, I haven't had dairy for the longest time. I want to ease into it. You could start off with A2 dairy and then slowly start consuming just regular normal milk. And then kind of getting into lactose and enzymes. Um, So lactose is, like I said, the natural occurring sugar that's found in milk and milk products. And it is a disaccharide, so meaning it's made up of two smaller molecules. And so when dairy or lactose is consumed, it is transformed into glucose and galactose by the enzyme lactase. And so glucose and galactose are the two smaller molecules that make up lactose. And these are primarily used as energy for the body since they are sugars. And so people that are lactose intolerant, basically like their small intestine just doesn't make enough of the lactase enzyme. And so what happens is like if someone who is lactose intolerant does consume dairy, basically the lactose will not get fully digested in the small intestine. And so then what ends up happening is that it proceeds to the large intestine. And this is where some of the bacteria can cause it to ferment and like produce lactate, which are like these small fatty chain acids and then turn it into gases. And that's where you discover, you know, bloating and just like general discomfort um, in terms of digestion. 
And our lactase production actually does drop when we're around three to five years old. And the persistent production of lactase in an individual is not like really dependent on like the frequency of lactose consumption, but it's really mostly tied to like the individual's genetic makeup. And so really populations that did not have dairy as a foundation in their natural diet slowly like kind of lost the need to digest lactose. So that's like, if your body isn't consuming that, there's not really any need or push for your body to produce that. Right. Um, and so this is why like lactose intolerance is most common in like Asian populations. And that's why like people like in European, European nations, like tend to be able to drink it or tolerate dairy more than, like I said, and parts of Asia, cause that just like, wasn't part of their, you know, normal diet as a society. And the lack of a lactase production could also be a result of other intestinal diseases, such as like Crohn's. And even the use of certain antibiotics can result in an enzyme deficiency as well. So there are digestive enzymes out there that the girlies probably know and love. And so if you're someone who's like, I still want to consume dairy, even though like my stomach can't handle it, you can take a lactase enzyme. They definitely sell them at all the different health stores, but it's really like the length of time that it is effective, can be very brief, and it should be taken five to 30 minutes before a meal. And, you know, that's just something to keep in mind if you're someone who's like, you buy the enzyme, and then you're like not strategic with how you're taking it, which is like the issue that a lot of people come across with supplements. And then you're like, oh, I don't feel anything. This was a waste of money. Yes, it could have been a complete snake oil bullshit product, or you may not just have been taking it in a strategic manner. Um, but most people won't really experience significant symptoms if they are consuming less than 12 grams of lactose, which I found interesting. Cause I really did not know what like the lactose levels were in like different dairy products. And it's, I feel like 12 grams is like kind of a lot. And so just to kind of paint some color here, skim milk and whole milk has about 12 grams per serving. So if you're drinking, you know, a serving and a half, that's when you would likely start to experience significant, um, you know, issues in terms of digestion of, of dairy milk. And then like most cheeses, again, will have like one to four grams. Ice cream has six and then yogurt. Well, this will just be variable. And then it's been shown that like the bacteria can actually help with breaking down the lactose. Um, and so with lactose free milk, basically, how is that made? Companies will break down the lactose into two sugars and then they'll add lactase. So this is how basically mimics how our body digests milk. And this is, or they'll just simply filter out, out the lactose for the lactose free milk. Um, and then kind of getting into like different types of milk, cow milk versus goat milk and the low fat versus whole and skim. So goat milk is actually one of the most widely consumed milks in the world, which I found kind of shocking because I feel like regular just like dairy cow milk in America is most prevalent. So really three quarters of the world do consume goat milk. And I guess it kind of makes sense when you start like looking into it because goats are smaller and easier to feed. So they're making, so basically they make them a more economical option for more developing countries or places where maybe like they don't have as much land as like the U.S. And many people who actually cannot consume cow milk, but can drink goat milk without much of a reaction, it's likely because there's like less lactose and just different forms of protein in, in goat milk. And also the fat, um, the fat little guy, the fats inside the goat's milk are smaller than those in cow's milk and therefore can be easier for the digestive system to handle. So you can definitely play around with like different drinking, different types of milk. I know there's like, I don't know, camel milk or there's like sheep's milk and other milks out there maybe not camel milk i don't know um but goat milk is going to be higher in calories and fat but contains more protein calcium potassium phosphorus and magnesium along with vitamin a and then in terms of low fat and whole milk and skim i feel like we were definitely a skim milk family we definitely did not have much whole milk in our house but 
that is likely just due to, you know, the whole like fat craze in like the 90s. And I feel like a lot of parents that probably experienced that were like, oh my God, we're not going to give our kids like whole milk. Um, but whole milk is going to have 3.25% milk fat. Skim will have less than 0.5, then low fat is anywhere from like one to two. Um, and so whole milk will naturally have more calories versus skim or low fat since fat does contain more calories and the vitamin D will remain fairly consistent across all types of these milks, which I think is like something that a lot of people like always feel like they need to drink milk for. And then protein will also remain fairly consistent as well. But really the biggest difference across the milks will be like the omega-3 fatty acids. And, you know, omega-3s are so important for us to consume because we, our body doesn't personally produce some. So like we do have to get them from our diet. And a lot of the best ways to get those are going to be from, you know, avocados, walnuts, olive oil, fatty fish. But a lot of people probably aren't consuming like the best types of fatty fishes or probably aren't eating like a handful of walnuts a day. And omega-3 fatty acids, you know, these are going to reduce inflammation and are so important for like brain, heart, and eye health. So the more fat and milk has, the higher amount of omega-3s it will also contain. And so, of course, like a organic or a grass-fed whole milk will have the greatest amount as the dairy cows are being fed on grasses and stuff that they should naturally be eating. And the grasses have really high levels of omega-3 and omega-6s. And then like the cows digest that and then it gets passed on to us versus being fed grain that would typically result in, in a higher omega-6 count. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um And like, again, like during the low fat craze, whole milk was like really demonized because it was like a source of saturated fat, which a lot of studies back then really connected that as like the link to heart disease, but that has clearly been proven wrong. It's really like the ultra processed, refined carb diet that plays a greater role in the link to heart disease. And so saturated fats can also increase HDL, which is like the good cholesterol in our body. And like, additionally, whole milk is going to likely keep you feeling more full since it has proteins and fat. So it's going to be slower to digest. And like really like the TLDR here is that like neither milk option is like bad, whether you eat like, or not eat, consume regular milk that has A1 and A2, or if you only consume A2 dairy, or if you consume whole milk or skim milk. Um, But like you could be missing out on key nutrients if you do avoid whole milk. And I think like, you know, this kind of goes to show that like calories aren't necessarily created equal. And I think you should really be looking at your view more from like how many nutrients can I obtain? And it's like, if you're avoiding whole milk just because it's like fattier, has more calories, you could be again, like missing out on, on key nutrients there, especially if you're not consuming other foods to fill those gaps. Yeah. And I think like, that's such a good way to look at, you know, health and like making healthy lifestyle choices. Cause if you're coming from like, I want to quote be healthier, but it's like, well, I'm not going to eat this and I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to eat that. It's like a pretty depressing way to live. But if you look at your food through like nutrients, which I don't think you have to do every time of like, I'm going out for ice cream and like, I'm going to get something that is the most antioxidant rich, like have fun with your fucking life. And not everything needs to be like, you know, super rigidly thought out about, but it is cool. Like I had that thought the other day when I was making dinner and I felt super lazy. And then I was like, I'm too lazy to like go cook up another vegetable for this, but like I should do that. Like that's like good for me to like eat another serving of vegetables. And so it's just reminding yourself that it like adds to you and it can make you feel better and shit. So yeah, all the milks, all the milks and stuff like that. You know, I saw camel milk at Air One and I actually was educated that like obviously it originates from certain cultures that they consume camel milk. But of course, the camel milk that was at Air One, like the gentrified like grocery store was like some crazy price and some crazy brand and not actually like real and then also the same thing happens with like or i guess is happening ish with banana milk um you're starting to see it pop up at more like of those bougie health stores as like oh this is a new thing meanwhile it's like no people have been consuming banana milk so two other new milks to add to the chat 
but I'll call you back and then we'll get into the other things about acne, inflammation, and stuff like that. Okay, if you're a CMOS girly, you've probably heard that dairy is going to give you acne, right? I've heard that. You've heard that. So let's debunk that statement. Um, so most evidence-based studies actually say that acne can be irritated by dairy, but researchers still, you know, trying to figure out what the exact connection is. If it's the way that dairy is digested that causes inflammation, if it's like the the type of dairy, if it's the processing of dairy, or if it's your genetic makeup that could cause inflammation, like we still don't really know what the direct link is of like why dairy can cause acne. Um, you know, it's anecdotal when you do see it on social media that like I cut out dairy and my acne went away. Like it's a very simplified answer because you don't know if you can digest dairy. You don't know if it's impacting your hormones. Like you don't actually biologically know. So the most popular answer that I feel like research researchers talk about is that the glycemic index because it may be the sugar and the carbs, not the milk. So things like pizza, sweetened yogurt, ice cream, those are the things that can cause inflammation and lead to acne on your face. Likely, very, very likely, it's not just you sipping some whole milk that's causing acne. It is like all the other stuff that could go along with a dish that uses milk or dairy. And another thing that people say that still needs more research is hormones. So it's possible that the hormones in the cow's milk, depending on what type of milk you get, could upset your natural hormone balance um, in a way that could aggravate your acne. But once again, we don't know that enough. The theory is that cow's milk contains hormones um, called androgens that may be inflammatory in like the human body. It can stimulate the androgen receptors in your body and then trigger those cells to produce more oil. If you have extra oil on your face and dead skin cells, it could combine to then trigger breakouts on your skin. So once again, that's a very specific way that dairy caused acne. And when you see it on social media of like, I got rid of dairy, it caused my acne, like the answer is because of what the hormones in the milk did to your skin. It's much more specific. And so if you think for some reason that dairy products are making your skin worse, I would say first think about how much dairy you consume in relation to everything else. And then secondly, like thinking about the high glycemic index, like I mentioned, is it the ice cream? Is it milkshakes? Is it sugary yogurt products? Or is it like you drink one glass of milk every day because that's not enough in your diet to like lead to some huge outbreak unless it is like a severe lactose intolerant, a severe digestive issue from dairy. But dairy also does have benefits. Like it does prevent osteoporosis and other sort other different things. So cutting it out may like be bad for you potentially. It's kind of both things. Um, you know, dairy is a primary source source of protein and calcium for some people. So you have to be very cautious about saying dairy causes acne because dairy might, you know, lead to benefits for people as well. So keep in mind that if you do see any, see any like skin related changes, um, it's not going to happen overnight, you know, commit to at least three weeks to three months, maybe closer to six months to really see a positive change. Like I know when I went vegan, because prior to that, I was eating like standard American, not eating vegetables, not eating really much fruit and stuff like that. Then to go to eating like a pretty whole foods plant-based diet, I saw a huge difference in my skin because I went from eating such different shit. So if you're just going from like eating the same way, only cutting out dairy unless it's really severe with your exact hormones and exact genetic makeup, like it probably is not going to be that big of a difference. So do not fear if you like a little oat milk latte or a whole milk latte, or what's the thing where people say like, oh, I had an oat milk latte, but then also like a croissant, like, LOL, I'm so quirky, like that thing. Um, You're probably fine to do that. So don't worry about your dairy at least. Next subject is going to be about whey protein. Um, this goes out to the the fitness girlies. Um, I've not made the purchase of whey protein. I know Emma has, but 
it's out there and I feel like there's confusion about what it is. So the reason that whey protein exists, um, it happens when milk is processed to form cheese or yogurt. There's this leftover liquid and that's called whey. Whey is one of the two main proteins. The other one's called casein, which you've probably heard about. And whey is beneficial and you hear people talk about it is because it helps with increasing the production of new protein in your muscles. So what is the difference between things like whey whey protein isolate versus concentrate? Because when you're shopping and like you see those, you're probably like, what the fuck? So the difference is all the processing between those two. When the liquid whey is collected as a byproduct of this cheese or yogurt, it undergoes several processing steps to increase this protein content of like why it's kind of like the best, the best quality protein source, some people say. After this protein concentration is achieved through the processing, the liquid is then dried to perform to uh, make this protein concentrate shit. And that consists up to 80% protein by weight. And so then the 20% of the weight concentrate powder contains carbohydrates and fat. So it's all about like the macronutrient ratio between isolate and concentrate because these different processing steps help like reduce the fat and carbohydrates. So if you're confused about it, I would say the best analogy is thinking about it as like PB2 versus normal peanut butter. One of them doesn't have as much fat and carbs as the other and it's like just all protein um, because of the way it's processed. So the way isolate protein powder contains like 90 more percent of protein by weight and that's why it's like the bodybuilder type people you know like that one more so yeah the processing steps used in the isolate result in a higher protein content less fat less carbs so if you're looking for that type of thing check out whey protein isolate i don't have a discount code for you and the links to go get one but it could be beneficial for you but yeah i, I was had... gonna say the one thing to notice um obviously isolate's gonna be more expensive but the amino acids are actually the same between the two because they're derived from the same protein source so it's not like that different in terms of like other nutritional benefits. Yeah. When I had whey protein isolate, I enjoyed it. I now have a random plant-based protein powder, but there's this one protein powder that I want to try. It's like goat whey protein powder and it's the brand's called Mount Capra. And like the branding's really cute and like feels very, um, I don't know, like someone like lives in Colorado and yeah, it's like that vibe. It's very like woodsy and outdoorsy. And I'm like, this is kind of cute. Um, but I did notice with, with way isolate, actually, so I'm going on a tangent here. It like doesn't make things as thick. Like, you know, when you add protein powder to yogurt or like making a smoothie, like, and it's plant-based, it like yeah. feels very thick. I was like, this like feels a little bit more grainy, but maybe it was just like the brand that I was buying. Um, someone asked about ghee versus butter. So I'm going to keep this real quick. So butter equals butter fat and ghee equals clarified butter, which is basically made from heating butter and allowing like the liquid and the milk portion to separate from the fat. So what happens here is like the milk caramelizes and becomes a solid. So the remaining oil is ghee. And it's like really, really common in Indian cooking. So you can find it. I mean, ghee is sold at Whole Foods. But if you go to some sort of specialty grocery store, it'll also carry um, ghee there. And ghee has a higher smoke point and is lactose-free as the milk salts are removed. So if you're someone who's like, I miss butter, but I can't consume dairy, or maybe you just don't want to consume butter, like I highly recommend ghee. I love it. It has like a very like nutty taste to it. Um, I cook a lot of my vegetables and ghee it's really good just like you know on on bread or toast um I also like doing this thing where you mix like ghee and miso and then you roast like a bunch of like you know broccoli and radishes and toss that all together um you can even use it when like making your own granola so the world is really your oyster when it comes to ghee but I think it's like a really great fat that's like a different from you know an avocado oil or an olive oil if you will love it we love to hear it 
Um, the last thing people ask, which I feel like is kind of a question that I feel like is we already know the answer to, but maybe not, depending on, you know, this whole conversation. But I feel like what milk is best for the health and the environment. So I don't want to be like, this is a tired talking points. But yeah, dairy has the cons because of climate change. You know, cows belch and they produce methane that adds to our environment. And so methane gas is at the highest level it's ever been in human history, aka we're having like severe climate change happening right now. So any plant-based milk is going to be better than cow's milk. Um, even almond milk, which is very water intensive, it gets shit on a lot for its water usage. Um, it's still going to be better from an environmental perspective than cow's milk. Um, it's said that a single glass of dairy's milk is almost three times the much greenhouse gas emissions than any sort of plant-based milk. So um, yeah, I would consider that. Um, I think my perspective on like individual action in terms of this has changed a lot. Like if you're a college girly that's listening to CMOS girlies, voting with your dollar matters, yes, but also there are billionaires that could do a lot about climate change. So if you really like milk and you're stressed about the carbon footprint, I'm telling you from my personal opinion that I think you can buy your milk in peace and you can still care about climate change even though you buy it. Like, you know, Um, almond milk is like still very water intensive. Some of the other milks that... You hear about coconut milk um, is, has a lot of sweatshop conditions, which I didn't know. It Coconut milk comes from a lot of countries with poor populations where pickers get paid less than a dollar a day because coconuts are so rare and farmers like take shortcuts in terms of hiring practices and labor practices. So coconut milk is kind of bad for that reason. Rice milk is much cheaper, but, you know, rice soaks up water and it produces a lot more greenhouse gas emissions than any other plant milk. Oat milk is good because oat is, you know, a crop that we subsidize in this country um you know oat oat, oats corn and soy and shit like that so oats help create crop diversity sorry i couldn't say oat for like five seconds um it helps create crop diversity reduce soil erosion and so oat milk is like a very good milk from the environment there's also this new type of milk where you maybe have seen it where it's like it's it's plant-based milk that has the same properties as milk it's like lab created milk what the idea is like they they mimic the dna structures and shit and then make them from like products that aren't actually giving you the lactose enzyme i think like not milk is a brand like that i think not ripple because ripple uses pea protein but there's some new like quirky weird milks like that yeah Um, there's some weird vc backed milks in the milk aisle these days my my perspective on that is like take the million dollars that goes into making this lab milk and go give it to a bunch of homeless shelters across america like we don't need lab milk we need other social services for people um so if you're curious for environmental perspective kind of across the board like soy and oat are going to be best but i say that thinking about you know maybe if you consume all of your calories in milk i would think about your milk consumption but if you're just drinking one glass a day like don't worry about it too much if you really like dairy yeah no no man yeah maybe i'll buy some regular milk i just have been buying either the malk or the malibu flax milk those are both really yummy in my opinion i've been really on my nut pod shit so i just have not been consuming milk i've just been on my coffee creamer grime and then i will remember every now and then of like if i'm baking something or i need milk for cooking that i'm like fuck like i was making trying to make a vegetable like curry thing like thin it out with milk and then i was like i am not putting marshmallow creamer on my fucking mushrooms right now what the hell am i doing well girl if you got some cashews you could have whipped up some homemade cashew milk and that is the beauty of bro i don't got cashews really oh r.i.p those are just that inflation why am i i'm not fucking buying cashews well i don't don't know i got i traded myself to cashews a few weeks ago i just bought the bag from whole foods like or trader joe's maybe i'll be inspired 
buy cashews from whole foods yeah that seems crazy unless i'd ring them up as almonds or some shit you know dude i would like ring them up as like, like lentils. yeah i would ring them up as like like rice like <laughs> literally oats i would bring them up as oats because like those are like 99 cents for like that's smart yeah cmos girlies hacks and whole foods everyone <laughs> um anyways great great to chat with you about dairy i know i'm happy that we finally got to pot again i, I like know, was missing and craving it yeah if you guys want us to pot about air quality next week let us know um if you want us to pod about uh, you know something yeah maybe it's know. listener's choice next week yeah you listen to this podcast and you dm us or message us in geneva what you want here and we'll pick the, a winner yeah get quirky in those dms we answer them we read them unless you send us something out of pocket so hit us up and maybe you'll influence the future of the pod you you will influence the future of the pod yeah you will uh, okay i'm yawning so that means i gotta go to bed and hop off that means pod. it's a wrap i need the little like film thing that little and whatever it's and scene whatever well thanks you much girlies you know where to find us the meme page um like comment subscribe and emma and i will chat with you next tuesday yeah we will bye bye When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.